0: I'm going to pray for us and we'll transition into the message. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. give you praise for worship. We give you thanks that we get to come as our kids, that we can approach your throne and crawl up uh, onto your lap and go Yeah, We thank you that we can come to know you, that you're for us, that you are good, that you're present. Uh, you have good plans in store for us. Pray God that you'd open our eyes and you walk us more and more into those things today. You would speak and lead and direct and transform, maybe be honored in uh, in all that we say to you today. I just come and have your way. in Jesus' name. Amen. Right across a story uh, again this week. Uh, it's one that I love. It's, a true story it goes like this, in 1903 there was a young grocery store clerk named James who started a cheese business. He started this business from the back of a one horse wagon. I've got some pictures actually, jump ahead, these are legit <laughs> <laughs> kind of pictures, there's James on the right, there's this one horse wagon on the left. Uh, to, to say that James was kind of a dismal failure as a businessman at the time would be kind, right? Like Things were not going well for him. He was trying to make this thing go. He was putting in all kinds of energy and effort. He'd invested his entire life savings, which wasn't much. He'd gone into debt uh, to try and get this thing done and to get it going further. He just kept going further and further and further and further in the hole until he was up to his eyeballs in debt. He was right on the verge of losing it all and uh, finally Uh, He decided, you know, I'm young, I'm unexperienced, and so he decided to seek the advice of a wise Christian friend. Uh, And and this is what uh, his his wise Christian friend said. He said, you know, you haven't really included God in your money or in your business, his friend observed. You haven't let God sort of uh, take over the work. You've only asked him to be a part of your plans and your priorities and your ventures. He says, and that's not really the way God works. Well, this set the young clerk sort of into a tailspin. On the one hand, James i mean, James was offended that such judgment would be laid on him by this quote-unquote friend. I mean, where does he get off, right? I mean, it's like that kind of a thing, but like, come on. On the other hand, he was also struck by his friend's blunt honesty, and he thought, maybe he's right. It was a pivotal moment for him. Well, days passed as this young clerk started to ponder. He finally began to pray. And he sort of crossed a line in the sand, and he wrote back to his and saying, "You know what? If God wants to run this business, He can have it. Right? I'll work for Him." He said. From that moment on, God became the senior partner in his business, the chief person consulted on every decision the business made. A chair was often left open in meetings as a reminder to key staff that God's presence and His leadership in the company. The first check written every month was a check that was given to God, the first fruits of the increase in or the profits of their company. Over the months, uh, this business began to grow and began to prosper. They began to get out of debt and started moving forward. It eventually became the largest cheese manufacturer in the world. Anybody want to guess what James's last name was? Uh-huh. <laughs> Crap! Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Punchline, right? It was James Crap and. If you go forward, this is years later. This was a quote that he said. This is great. Looking back over his life, over his business statement, he said, The only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I've given to the Lord. A fascinating statement. The only investment that I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I've given to God. The defining moment for James Craft was a time, a moment when he took a risk. He stepped out in faith, and he trusted God, turned over the control of his finances and his business to God. It was the turning point for his life when he realized that he was merely a manager of what God had entrusted to him, and he needed to turn over control uh, to him. Martin Luther uh, once said uh, years ago, he said, "When when a man or a woman... Is converted to Christ when they become a Christ follower three conversions are necessary he said the first is a conversion of the mind the second is a conversion of the heart he said the third is a conversion of the pocketbook <laughs> and he said of the three this one's the hardest and I think that's true isn't it I, 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 I think that's totally true turning over our money to God is incredibly tough Especially as Americans, it strikes sort of at our heart and the stuff that we hold most dear in our lives. I mean, it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I'll go to church, I'll sing songs, I'll listen to the message, I'll be like Attaboy Pastor kind of thing. But when you start talking about how God wants to handle my money, my money, then you're meddling, man. You have crossed a line, you have gone way too far. But I'll tell you what, friends, how we handle our money, as we'll see today, huge to our relationship with God. It's huge in our lives. It's huge. It, 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 it's a significant marker. In fact, it's enormous to our hearts. It's enormous to our relationship with God. It's a big deal. One author that I read this week says it this way. They say, the way we handle our money is perhaps the truest indicator of the spiritual condition of our heart. It's true. I read another quote this week. and This one is kind of a butt kicker, but it, it uh, it's an offering prayer. That, that uh, a pastor taught his church one time. which, Again, it's challenging, but it's, it's offering prayer. He said, "What if we were to pray this way? No matter what I say or do, this, my offering, God, right? This is what I think of you." Can, can there be a collective gulp in the room? Right? Isn't that? A, I was like, "Holy cow!" No matter what I say or do, this. Is what I think of you. Now, this wasn't meant to be a guilt trip kind of message, but it's, it's, it's just a way of saying, man, this is such a huge deal to our walk with God. It's such a huge deal to our own hearts. And, uh, man, it's perhaps one of the reasons that, that uh, giving and generosity and finance gets talked about so much in the Bible. I told you last week, I think, uh, about how many times uh, money is talked about in the Bible. It's huge. This week, I'll just mention this, the word give or giving is used in the Bible 2,285 times. Isn't that crazy? It's more than virtually any other value in the Bible. The Bible talks more about give and giving than pretty much anything else. And why do you suppose that is? Do you think it's because God needs your money? Is that why you think he talks about it so much? Does God need your money? Does God need my money? No. No. Do you remember how this whole thing started? Right. I mean, God. In the beginning, God spoke the world into existence. Right. He's. He is the cause behind. The, right. Behind the Big Bang. Behind everything else in life. He is the starting point. If God had need of something, would He come to you to ask? He would speak and it would it would come into being. He would think it and he could create it, right? God has need of nothing, right? He is He is complete in Himself. It's God doesn't talk so much about money because He needs it from us, but because we need it. Because we need to talk about giving, because we need to learn how to trust Him, how to open up our hearts in our lives, and especially uh, and, and that plays out in our finances uh, to Him. He's God. In fact, listen to this. God isn't primarily concerned with your money. In fact, he, does, he doesn't need your money, but what he does want is you. God talks so much about finances, about giving, about money and stuff uh, because he knows that he can so easily get hoodwinked by it. It can so easily get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. It can grab our attention. It can grab our focus. It can suck. us it, it can hold us captive. It so easily becomes the one thing In our lives that we just simply won't surrender to Jesus. The one thing that we won't give up. And as Americans, it's probably the primary thing that we hold back from God. God, you can have all of me except, right, the way I use my money. It becomes more important to us than God. And so I think why God talks about this over and over throughout the pages of Scripture, telling us the way to financial freedom is by giving up control and surrendering. Our finances to Him. Well, we are on week number two of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Making Change. And this series is all about learning uh, to put into practice God's principles for our finances so that we can experience and learn to walk in freedom and blessing and peace. And like we talked about last week, man, those are words that we just don't think of when we talk about money. It's like contentment and joy. And the question that, that, that we we're asking ourselves throughout the series and the thing that we're proposing, so to speak, is what if God's way really is better? What if there is a, a, a way that we can live in which there could be peace in our financial feelings, in which it wouldn't be this anxiety-producing, I need more to get what I want, kind of stuff. But what if it could be there could be contentment and joy and peace? Last week we started out the series um, uh, talking about, I titled it "Provision," but right, we talked about sort of um, like knowing the state of our flock, knowing the condition of our finances, kind of looking ahead and planning and seeing what comes in, what goes out, and how we can uh, how we can use our finances uh, for what God wants and for what we want, and, and not just as a way uh, to just let it kind of just go out like crazy and wonder where it all went. This week, um, I want to kind of turn the corner and I want to talk a little bit more about this whole topic of giving. And specifically, I want to talk about a a, a biblical concept referred to as first first fruits. Because, uh, as we'll see, I mean, we are in treasuring for all of us. And until we learn to put God first in our finances, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure that we can ever really experience true peace and contentment and joy in our financial worlds until we learn to put in first. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. It sounds incredibly counterintuitive, but the path to freedom, the path to peace, the path to contentment, the path even to blessing in our financial worlds is the path of giving to God first, of putting Him first in that position. Until we learn to do that, I'm not so sure uh, that we can experience the good stuff in life. Now I have to say, anytime you talk, I, I, I'm always hesitant to, to preach on giving and preach on money or any of that kind of stuff because the moment I do, I, I can just hear some people in the room probably say, "See, here it, here goes the pastor boy again, right? He's talking about money. He just wants what, wants our money and all this hard-earned stuff." And uh, and uh, I just gotta say, in response to that, before we jump to conclusions, can I just say the church is doing fine financially right now? This is never about this is not about what the church needs it's not about what the church wants this is about how life works best for you and for me this topic sort of stabs at the heart of the american dream a it i get it but be, because for many of us and, and the majority of our culture our money and our stuff is more important or it's a higher value uh than than god is for us and how we spend our money and ultimately what we treasure most will reflect and reveal what we really worship and what's most important to us. But just remember, God doesn't need your money What he wants. is He listen to a few of these, like, I want to just sort of paint a picture with a bunch of different verses from scripture today and uh, see if we can kind of get, get our uh, heads wrapped around this whole topic. This is Jesus talking in uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Says, says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, which is <laughs> Funny word makes me giggle. Where moths and vermin, right, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin did not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a fascinating uh, statement. that says, God doesn't need our money. What he wants is our heart, and he knows the way this works. Where we invest our money, our hearts will follow. God cares greatly about our heart. Giving, friends, is a matter of heart. It really is. It's a matter of heart. It's about what's most important to us. If you want to know what people are really passionate about, if you want to know if people are committed to to, to Christ and to the the mission of the church and all these kinds of things, you can see in their finances. Their finances will tell you what they're becoming passionate about. Your checkbook, friends, is a spiritual document. And it reveals what we really believe about God uh, and kind of the direction our hearts are headed. Listen to this. A few verses later, Jesus makes this statement. Nobody, nobody can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll love and, and be devoted to the first and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's so not like a big deal to you. Let me just kind of put it in a different way. If you love and serve money and stuff, according to Jesus, you... Hate God? Did you hear that? Right. Either you will hate one and love the other, or vice versa. Okay? That's what he's saying. He's saying man, if, if your heart is focused on man, this is on, on my money and my stuff and my whatever. If this is more important to us than God is, saying man, you cannot you cannot serve both of them. You will hate God if you love the other. If you love the other, that's the primary driving force in your life. Yeah, it's a huge deal. The way we handle our money has a huge impact on our faith, on our heart, and on our relationship with God. It's enormous. Now, here's where I want to go today. If we want to grow, then, in our faith, if we want to become more and more and more the people that God has created us to be, if we want to experience more of God, more of his plans, more of his provision, more of his peace in our financial worlds and in our lives, we're going to have to learn to surrender this whole area of finances to him. We're going to have to learn how to live out our faith in this area of giving and of finances. And as we do, as we begin to sort of open up our hands, as we begin to open up our hearts, open up this whole area of our finances to God, as we begin to trust God with all of this stuff, with our lives and with our pocketbooks as well, we will experience His blessing, His provision, and His peace in amazing ways. It really is the best way to live. I want you to look at some of the language that gets used uh, throughout the Bible, talking about this whole idea of giving to God and, and what's associated with it. Acts 20, 35 is a classic, right? It's quoting Jesus as remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, who said, "It's better to give than to receive." In fact, that's not—it that doesn't say better though. What's the word that he uses? It's blessed. more blessed. He says, <coughs> "Blessing is actually associated with giving." My question is, do we really believe that? Blessing, he's saying the good stuff, God's favor, right? God working on your behalf. Blessing is found in giving and not just receiving. It's a little counterintuitive, don't you think? That's not really how we function or how we think as Americans. Typically, we say, man, getting is the good stuff, right? Bring it on. More for me, right? Kind of bring this stuff on. That we think, man, that's the good stuff. But Jesus says, no, it's it's exactly the opposite. If you want to become more like God, if you want to experience more of his presence, more of his peace, more of his blessing, he says, you'll learn to give. Isn't that crazy? 2 Corinthians uh, 9 seven through eight says this it says each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver, but decide what you want to give ahead of time And then it says this and, and then give it. and then it says and God is able to what does that say bless it says again there's that word here God is able to bless you abundantly, not just a little but he's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need, can abound in every good work. It's a great verse. God is able it says to provide and bless you in such a way that even after you give, after you have given back to him, you will still have more than enough. We'll still have more than we need. Abundance. Maybe not all that we want, but all that we need so that we can abound in every good work. Man, it's like God's math there, right? Whatever you have minus what you give back to God equals more than enough equals abundance. Maybe even more than what we started with. Sounds like craziness, right? But it's true. Listen to, to this one. Proverbs 3, through 10 says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. He doesn't use the word blessing, but look at that picture that gets painted. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's God's wisdom, it's God's economy kind of stuff. When we honor God, when we put Him first in our finances, when we give to Him first, God works in your life in such ways that He shows His provision and His power and His blessing. The way blessing gets portrayed here is it's a picture of more than enough. Like, you know, there's, there's not even enough room to contain the food that God provides. And the wine, the new wine. Again, it's just a picture of abundance, of more than enough, of overflowing provision. Let me just stop there for a second because we're introduced to the new word that I want to talk about here today, First fruits. It's a concept that's taught all throughout the Bible, but especially in the Old Testament. And in a day when almost all of the known world at that time was centered around agriculture, this concept was that you would bring back the first portion of your crops and you'd give that first portion to God. That first portion, they would think, belongs to God. And so before they did anything else, before they even finished harvesting the rest of the crops, they would take that portion and they would bring it to God as a way to sort of honor him, as a way to say, God, you're the number one in my life, as a way to say, God, you're my provider, as a way to say, God, I trust you, not just with this percentage, but with all of it. It's all from your hands, and I, I need it, right? I need, you. I need you, and I'm trusting you for it. First fruits, it's the whole idea of taking that first portion, the best, so to speak, And then giving it to God. And they would do that. And then they would go and finish with the harvest. Now, it's fascinating because I was thinking about it this week because uh, just just thinking about the reality of this. Because this would be the time for farmers when it would be their greatest point of need. Your food reserves at this point, right, when, when you just get to the edge and you're just... At, at the moment where the harvest is ready for this year, you would be at your lowest point because it will have been a full year since you harvested last time, a full year since you had income, a full year since you had you put food up in, in the granaries and for reserve and all this kind of stuff. At this point, your pantry would be empty. At this point, your storehouses would be pretty much on fumes. Right there would be nothing left. And God says, at that at that time, when you would be tempted just to harvest and to bring it all in, don't you to take your first fruits that first percentage, and I want you to come and bring it to me as a way to say, God, we are trusting in you, we are putting you in the number one spot in our lives, in our finances, for our food, for everything. First fruits. Sounds like craziness, doesn't it? I mean, you talk about this, What have you lost your mind? And yet the picture that gets painted over and over and over throughout the pages of God's book is if we go and we bring God our first fruits like that, the picture is abundance and blessing, right? God says, "Man, I will, I will bless your socks off, right? You, you can't even imagine the ways that I am going to provide and the ways that I am going to pour out my blessing on you." You can see this pretty much from the beginning of the Bible, and you see it working and showing up. This concept showing up all the way through. In fact, it shows up as early as Genesis chapter four, uh, starting with verse uh, three and four. Uh, it, it says this. This is a uh, and there's a lot to the story, but I was kind of focusing on one point. But uh, you see this. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought uh, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Firstborn. Right, it's, a, it's a picture, uh, we're talking not just first fruits, which is the first part uh, of grains and whatever is grown, right, that is given back to God, but the firstborn of your flock was also given as, as first fruits, so it's a way that was given back to God. So he says, uh, Abel uh, also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock as an offering. The Lord looked on favor with faith on, on Abel and his offering. So right away, within the first four chapters of the Bible, we see men, and women were to bring back a portion of what God had provided to them. And they gave him the first fruits before anything else. They gave to God as a way of worshiping, as a way of saying, God, you are number one in my life. And what does it say? It says God looked with favor, favor, Abel and his first fruits offering blessing. And God's favor is always associated with giving to God of our first fruits. In the Old Testament, it's even brought over into the New Testament. God's people were told to bring back the first 10%, at least, of their crops, of their livestock, of their increase, so to speak. The first 10% was God's, right? It was given back to God as worship, and it was good. The people believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give to God first. At our church in Wisconsin, when we were up there, um... We had a business guy in our our congregation, and I remember uh, him telling uh, us one time he was invited to a roundtable discussion with, uh, at at the time, a guy by the name was Steve Kagan, He's a U.S. congressman a number of years ago, and Kagan was meeting with local business uh, owners at that time, and actually it was at a time when the economy was not really good in northeast Wisconsin. It, things were not going well, people were, uh, you know, downsizing and all kinds of people were getting laid off and all kinds of stuff was going on. And so Kagan came and met with business owners and was just kind of had uh, a round table kind of thing, just was kind of asking them how things were going. So they're going around the room, one business owner at a time was saying, well, how are things going? And the person was you know, the people were saying, oh man, it's terrible out there, the economy's bad and we're, closing this part of the business and we're laying people off and we're doing this kind of thing. They go to the next person and be, oh yeah, it's terrible and we're doing this, this, and this. When well, they finally get around to uh, this this friend of ours, this guy was a part of our church and said, well, how are things uh, going for you? And he said, well, he said, I felt a little sheepish at the time. He's like, but actually, things are going really good for us. And he said, well, we're expanding our, our business. We're, we're uh, hiring new staff. We're expanding our mm-hmm. building even. And uh, the future's looking really bright for us. I hate to say it's kind of hard to say, but it's a good season for us. But huh, kind of got real quiet in the room. Kind of people were kind of rocked back, like huh, it's so weird. And the, the next guy started to kind of chime in and started to say, well, that's bad for us too, and whatever. And before he could get, chime in too much, Kagan uh, went back to this to this Christ follower and said, why? I mean, can, can you put a finger on why things are going so well for you? And and he smiled. He said, I, this is going to sound. She says, but, but uh, a little over a year ago, um, uh, my wife and I made the decision that we were going to put God first in, in our business and in our finances. And it's like it was the first time in our life we decided we were going to start tightening. And we, uh, the, first, the first thing we do with our business and the first thing we do as individuals, we take the first 10% and we bring it back to God as a way just to, to you know, as worship, as an offering, as a way to say, man, you first entrusting trusting myself for you. He said, ever since we've done that, our business has been doing awesome. It's like off the charts kind of cool. Isn't that a great story? I mean, I hear that and I think, man, is that always the case? Does God always do that? Is it always just like rainbows and unicorns and everything's awesome? No, it's not always like that. I'll tell you what, I'm amazed at how often and how often there are dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds of stories that even I have heard, that I have experienced, that probably many of us in this room have experienced about how blessing is is associated with giving, with putting God first in our finances. There's God math that starts happening that's crazy, right? There's there's ways that he works and provides that are just jaw-dropping. God's blessing is not always financial. I'm amazed, but I'm amazed at how often we do see God's provision in financial ways, in, in, in just jaw-dropping kind of ways. I mean, we've experienced it, and so have many of you. If you haven't yet, friends, I'll just kind of say this parenthetically. If you haven't yet put God first in the area of your finances, man, I would encourage you to consider that strongly today, to, to, to make that commitment, that priority of learning to bring your first fruits back to him, to give him first and entrust him for the rest. Remember, this is not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. right? And so I, I want us to say that because I think it's counterintuitive. And, use the word me. I want you to say, it's not what God wants from me. It's what God wants for me. Let's say it together. Ready? It's not what God wants from me. It's what God wants for me. Right? It's not about him trying to take what's precious to you and, you know, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't mean that. It's about the, the kind of life that God has for all of us. And life, the way he's designed, it works best when First. In finances, yes, because it's so pragmatic to our lives. But in every area of our lives, right? This is the good stuff. Life works best as we learn to submit and follow Jesus. Right? It's a heart issue. It's about our relationship with Him. It's a big deal. And as we align ourselves to Him, as we as we submit and learn to to, to invite him as the number one into the number one spot in our finances and we learn to bring our first fruits to him out of a heart of gratitude, out of a way of uh, kind of a faith statement of saying God I trust you with, with, my, uh, with my finances, with my life as we do those things we experience his blessing and it's just better listen to this, Malachi 3.10 says it this way, it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house God says test me in this Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much what's the word blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's a challenge that God gives us and a promise, right? In fact, God's saying, "Test me on this." He's kind of saying, "I double dog dare you, right? Like give this a world, Why not give it a try and see if I'm not faithful? See if I don't bring a blessing into your life." It's a crazy thing. It's more blessed to give than receive. We try it, he says. When we give to God, when we put Him first, we experience blessing. Sometimes we see it financially, sometimes in not tangible ways. But I'll tell you what: we have seen it again and again as a family. There's been tons of times uh, throughout our team um, and I've been married for twenty years, and uh, there's tons of times throughout those twenty years when finances were extremely tight. Because we start churches for a living, we live on support, and you know how support goes, right? Support is, is a faith game, right? It's a roller coaster. Sometimes there's money, and sometimes they're not, and sometimes giving back to God when there's not a lot of income coming in is challenging, and it has been excruciatingly faith-stretching in and hard. and yet we have, we have seen again and again that as we trust him and we say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you first. We're going to trust you with this, and we give back, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, and some of the world around us might be laughing at us, saying, what kind of financial managers are you? You guys are idiots. You don't have enough. How can you be giving? There's sometimes that I think our tax accountant at the end of the year is laughing at us, right, going, what are you smoking? Kind of thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's because we believe stuff. But there's been so many times where we have stepped out and we've trusted God and said, okay, God, we're trusting you in this 10% and all the rest, right? And we have seen his provision in jaw-dropping, God-sized ways. I'll give you a, a few snapshots. One of, one of them, <laughs> I can remember having medical bills that came due, unexpected. Our insurance didn't come through with what they were supposed to come through with kind of thing. And we owed a lot of money, right? And, and I can remember just being stressed out of our minds and just praying, and again, kind of just that stress of like, should we give to God, we could use this money or whatever, we're like no, we're going to put God first, we're going to honor Him, we gave to Him. We went to a conference, uh, not long later, been paid for it for a long time, others I probably have done so at the time, and uh, we were in a, a hotel in a town uh, that we didn't know anybody far away from, right, far away from anybody that knew anything about our financial reality, and an envelope of cash showed up under our door. Now, before you think it's a drug deal, <laughs> like or something, a misplaced drug deal or something, but it was it was a, uh, an envelope of cash. They had a note that made it clear that this was money they felt like God was supposed to uh, God was supposed to give to us. An envelope full of cash for exactly the amount that we needed. I think, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, I'll tell you, maybe. It's, I mean, I don't know, maybe that happens to you all the time. It doesn't really happen to us all the time. It's like, I mean, especially for the exact amount that's needed. But you see, you're like, you know what? I, I think it's better. Like, I think it's better. And it's not just that. Like. I, this is pretty much our entire experience of how I got through grad school debt free, right? It's like we we felt like, I mean, it was a stretch, and every semester there was money due that we didn't have. And it was like, hey, are we gonna do this? And the thing we were praying and we cried out to God, and we would put him first, and we would see him provide every single semester, every time. We saw his provision in abundant ways. It's pretty much, I mean. You guys know some of how our last year has been a little bit. It's pretty much how we've managed to survive the last year. We've seen God provide again and again and again as we've, as we've trusted him, as we put him first, as we've dropped to our knees and, and cried out, God, we, we are trusting you as our financial manager. You are the number one in our life. Would you provide for, for the needs that we have that we have seen come through again and again and again and again? Could be coincidence. Right? I think there's blessing. I think maybe it really is better. I think there's abundant provision. There's blessing as we follow, as we surrender, as we submit our lives to him, and that includes our finances. I remember uh, at our church up in Wisconsin, um, another example, um, we, as a church, at one point, the, the leadership of the church had said, you know what, there had been a season where we were, we were living on support, sort of like we have been uh, here, where outside supporters were helping to kind of pay some of our bills and make sure we got paid and some of that kind of stuff. And then we had transitioned onto our own. And a couple years later, uh, the, the uh, elders of the church kind of made a decision and said, you know what, uh, we see this. We see and believe in this concept so much of first fruits and putting God first. We're going to start doing this as a church. We're going to take, uh, we started at 10% and went up from there. We started and said the first 10% of every of every dollar that comes into the church, we're going to take and we're going to set aside for ministry outside of our church. We're going to set aside for church planting and for missionaries and for some of this kind of stuff. And again, this is at a time when we weren't, we weren't exactly flush with cash. <laughs> and so it was a faith gig of saying, you know, we as a church, even corporately, we're going to put God first. And you want to know what happened? From that moment forward, our our, uh, our income went up 40 percent, and there was no rational reason why. You look at it, you're like, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me unless it's true, right? Unless it's true that God blesses, He provides, He works in powerful ways as we submit our lives, as we submit practically, right? Our finances. We say, God, we're putting you first. It's the concept of first fruits and blessing. Enough stories, so you kind of, you kind of catch it. I'm like, if if that were enough, I'm I'm seeing some nods. I'm pretty sure you could hear them from around the, the room. Some of these things too, right? I'm just saying, like, man, it's crazy. But when we honor God, we see His provision and His power in amazing ways. It's just better. Does that mean that all your financial pressures will be over once it's all know? But it does. It is the first step towards aligning our finances to God, of bringing our first fruits back to God. He does more with 90% than we could ever do with 100%. It's God's wisdom. Now, if I can, I'm going to take this and push it one step further and then we'll get practical for today. We'll do some application we have. But in all honesty, while this is a principle that's taught in the Old Testament, it's reinforced by Jesus in the New Testament. He's like, yeah, you should be doing this, right? Kind of thing. It was never taught to be the end result of everything. Uh, what I mean by this is that it, it's not just uh, give God 10% and do whatever you want with the other 90%. Uh, God wants all of your money. And some of you might hear that and think, well, how in the world am I supposed to buy groceries? <laughs> right?" And I'm not saying like that. But again, remember what we said at the beginning. Giving and, and money is really about our heart. It's about a relationship with God. And God doesn't want 10% of your heart. He wants all of it. He wants us to learn to follow him by faith. He wants to to teach us to trust him and to walk with him and to know him. And, of course, does God want you um, to pay the rent so that your family has a roof over your head? Does he? Absolutely. Does God God want you to have food on your table? Of course he does. But what if instead of just saying, this 90% is mine, Right? Don't mess with it. Or this 95% is mine, There's 98% is mine, There's 99%. What if we learned to say, God, it's all yours? All of this is from you. How do you want me to use the money you have entrusted to me? That's a totally different game. When you start reading through the New Testament's um, kind of understanding of generosity and of finances, you start seeing this kind of thing where, where uh, again, People are giving generously to us, so where sometimes God is tapping people, and saying, "Yeah, uh, I'm not asking you for 10. percent I want you to throw your life savings in, <laughs> right? Like here or there or whatever. I mean, and it's sort of like jaw dropping kind of stuff. Like, ah, you freak out, but like, again, you see God's blessing and provision. One of the things, one of the places I was thinking of this week is Acts 4. Listen, this is the early church living this stuff out. It says As all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one even claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. Yeah, I would think so. It's, it's the New Testament way of saying blessing. Much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money uh, from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anybody who had me? Now, is this a radical concept? Is this pretty radical? <laughs> it totally is, right? It's jaw-dropping kind of stuff. It's not normal. I get it, but that's that's sort of the picture of the New Testament, right? God, it's all yours anyway. How do you? Nobody even claimed that what they had was their own. They're like, how do you want us to spend the resources that you have entrusted to us? Now, does that mean that sometimes? Uh, Sometimes, does that look like you going and taking care of your family and you go away on vacation? Sure it does. Does that mean that sometimes there are moments when you say, God taps you on the shoulder and says, you know what, that money you've been saving for family vacation, I want you to give it to this family that's in need. Right? Sure. That's in his his prerogative. Could it be that there's there's things that we want that we put on the back burner so that others can, can be served, so that others can be provided for? Absolutely. God has the freedom to sort of shift his money around any way he wants. And the picture of what we're shooting for is hearts that are wide open and says, God, I trust you as my provider. I trust that you're gonna give me everything I need and so much more oftentimes. But I just wanna lay it before you and say, your will, your way, I'm in. Right? How How do you want me to live? How do you want anything I have, anything I am, my time, my resources? I'm all in God. I don't know uh, where you might be at with God today. There's uh, there's so much we could talk about. Maybe uh, this giving thing, and talking about this, this whole concept of first fruits, maybe that's pegging your weird meter a little bit. And you're like, dude, like, what is going on in this church? And, uh, and if that's the case, totally fine. Uh, I apologize if this is your first time here. I apologize. We don't talk about this every week. But I do think it's a big deal. For us, it's a big deal in our relationship with God. And maybe today God is, is like tapping on your heart a little bit and saying, Would you trust me? Would you be willing really to take a step? If you are, are, are somebody that like never really gives, uh, maybe God's tapping you and saying, Would you take a step? Would you start? Would you decide ahead of time? Would you start? learning to give as a way to put God first, to decide a percentage, decide a something, and just start doing it. Make it your first check that you write out in the month and say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm just going to try to dip my toe in the water a little bit and see if if it really is better to give than to get. If it's more blessed to follow you, to include you in my financial plans. Maybe that's a step that God's prompting you to take. Maybe maybe you're not able to, for for whatever reason, to start tithing right away. But maybe you start moving in that direction and say, I'll try. I'll take a step kind of thing. Maybe maybe you've been a tipper. Maybe you've been kind of throwing a little bit of uh, money God's way from time to time. And and, and that's been your experience. And maybe today God's tapping you on the heart and saying, man, would you trust me? Would you invite me into your life and your financial worlds? And would you start putting this whole concept of first fruits into practice? Would you take a tie of 10% of what I have entrusted you and would you write out that check first as a way to give back? Give back it as a way to say, God, I trust you. I need you. I'm all yours. If you've never done that before, maybe God's, uh, again, wrapping on your heart, or wrapping on your mind, saying, would you trust? And again, it's not what God wants from you. It's what God wants for you. And he's saying, it's better. It's more blessed. Right? You, we do this as a family because we want God to be a part of our financial world, our financial life, our life in every way. We want his wisdom, right? We want his blessing. And we want to we follow him in this. Thing. So maybe that's, maybe that's a step that you need to take. Maybe some of us are here and we done this tithing thing for a while, but in all, in all honesty, we've given God 10% ish, and we've just held the rest back for ourselves. It's this my Precious. <laughs> the <kind of> thing. <laughs> well, I'm going to use it however I want for my plans, for my priority. And maybe God's saying, you know what, would you loosen your grip on that? I know it's scary, but would you trust me not just with 10, not just with 20, but would you trust me with your would you trust me with your finances? Would you trust me with your heart? Would you start inviting God into your business, into your finances, into your world? And say, God, I'm all going to follow you whenever, wherever, however much I'm all in. Maybe God will prompt you to say, you know, in addition to bringing your time back, in, maybe He'll prompt you to, to get significantly involved in helping a family that needs significant help in these days. Maybe they're unemployed or whatever, laid off. They can, use, they can use some groceries. They can use some help with a rent bill or whatever. Maybe God will tap you for that. Maybe there will be, uh, maybe there's a, a homeless shelter. Maybe there's a, who knows what, right? Maybe there's something that, that God's going to tap you and say, you know, beyond what you're giving to me, would you take care of, the needs of some, some of the poor in our area that needs some help? Maybe it will be a ministry. Maybe God will tap you and say, you know what, I want to, I, I think God's nudging me to help you. Start a new ministry or heart start doing this or provide Bibles for this group of people or help make a difference. We, we volunteer. I'm <laughs> trying to get this going, right? But we volunteer in school in the region. Maybe God will tap you to, to make a difference in the lives of some kids that who knows what, right? But me. But it, it's just a way of saying it's not just about 10% and I have the But learning to say, you oh know, God, I trust you. I'm all in. Would you all, Father? May you be glorified. May your kids. I don't know what God's tapping you to or saying to you this morning. But but I'll tell you what I want for me and what I hope you want for you is that we will be people that would say yes, yeah, whatever you're asking. Yes, I'll take the next step. Yes, I want I want you to grow your generous heart in you. God, I want I want you to teach me to trust you and to follow you into Let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry this morning. It's, uh, I don't know. Just come and change us. Come and teach us. Come and shape us. God, we have tried finances on our own, and I have to say, it kind of stinks. It just doesn't work out the way we ever think it will. We just get ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper and dead in debt uh, and anxiety and all kinds of things. And so we pray, God, would you teach us a new and better way? Would you teach us to follow you in this area of our finances? Would you teach us to put you first? you teach us, God, to, to uh, I don't know, just to open up our hands and our hearts and even our wallets, right, and submit, submit ourselves to you. In every way, God, if we have never given before, I pray that you teach us to, to, uh, to, to take a step and move in that direction. If you've never tithed and you're proud of us to do that, God, you give us courage and boldness to bring our first fruits to you, the first check, the first whatever that we to you. If you're prompting us beyond that, God, to just become more and more generous to surrender our finances, I pray that you would just come and have a to and lead and guide and direct and all these things, God. And just and just come with Jesus, come